Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. A woman in the house makes all the difference. Uh, my house smells like homemade apple butter, pot roast. Without a woman in my house, it would, it would smell like TV dinners and leather and cigars, probably, or something along those lines. Makes all the difference uh, having a woman in the house and her role in the life of the family as we look at this study today, the third in this series called Family Matters. By asking the question, is there a woman in the house? What is the definition of a woman? How does God define her role, uh, especially as it relates to marriage, but, but regardless of marriage? And I wonder where your mind goes when you think of the ideal woman. Uh, over 30 years ago, I was playing softball and got out. We, we were, our game was ready to start, and one of the guys on our team saw a lady pull up in a four-by-four pickup truck. It was about three or four feet off the ground. She climbs down out of her pickup truck, walks toward the stands. He said, now there's a real woman. Well, that may be your idea of a real woman. A real woman, may, you may want a roller derby queen as, real, as a real woman. I don't know. You may want somebody that cooks really well. You may want somebody that looks good in that little black dress or all of the above or none of the above. It's strictly your... Your, to your taste, but God has some things to say about womanhood, not only about being a wife, but about being a woman. Let's start with this idea of where women used to be in the context of Scripture. Jews, in, in this day and time, when the Scripture was written, Jews got up each morning and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. They could divorce their wives on a whim with no recourse at all. Greeks had prostitutes for pleasure, concubines to cohabit with, and wives to manage the house and to bear le legitimate children. In the Roman culture, women were bought and sold as property. So, you see, the 60s were not the turnaround for women, nor the 20s when they were, had gained the right to vote. God liberated women in, in the scripture in Ephesians 5. If you want to turn there, we're going to be in Ephesians 5 and Genesis chapter 3 today. But these were... These texts were, were liberating texts for women. And then we look at where women, women wanted to go, not only where they were, but where, where they wanted to go. And the, the women's liberation movement in, in the 60s was really about one thing. It was about empowerment. And sitting here 60 years later, one out of every three divorces results in women and their children living below the poverty line for 8 to 12 months. Doesn't look like much empowerment. Let's look at where women have come and how far they are uh, today. According to a USA Today survey several years ago, more than 1,500 women serve in state legislatures. Over three, uh, uh, women own over 3 million businesses in, in the United States, and greater than half of all medical degrees are now granted to women over men. Now, that's true, yet women are becoming obese at twice the rate of men, they're on blood pressure medicine and antidepressants at a third rate higher than men. And for the first time ever in history, women's life expectancy is decreasing and man's is increasing. 
What does that point to? It points to ladies that are living under a great deal of stress and wondering how to manage it and maybe not doing so well at it because they're trying to be all and do all that our culture has defined them to be. What I want us to see today from two texts, one is the first is in Genesis chapter 3 if you want to turn there. The first thing is this, is I want us to see, look at women's greatest vulnerability. If women can see their vulnerability, they can recognize the enemy coming and walk in a way that pleases God and that is uh, to the antithesis of what the enemy wants us to say and do and become and be in, in, in our culture. These verses are true of, in, in Genesis 3 for all women, married, single, divorced, widowed, doesn't matter. Look with me, if you will, at verses 1 through 7 of Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the, from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you'll die. You'll not surely die, the serpent said, to the woman, for God knows that when you eat, eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves." A couple of things I want us to see from this text about women's greatest vulnerability. The first of which is this, is the desire to know. The desire to know. Look at verse 5. For God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. For a man, knowledge is power. It's power over others because for a man, it's about winning. For a woman, knowledge is power over circumstances. It's, it's, it's the, the idea of having some predictability to life, uh, of wanting to know the things that are unknown so that I, I'm not surprised by the things I don't know. That's why women outnumber men, females outnumber males, seven to one on Facebook. The desire to know, not only to know, but to be known as well. Uh, the serpent saw her vulnerability in verse one, where he says, uh, did, did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? In, in essence, he's saying, can you really trust God? Is what he said really true? Or do you know best? Could it be that you know best as, what's best for you as well as he does, or perhaps even better? So this desire to know and to be known is vulnerability number one for women. The second is the need to control. Vulnerability for the need to control. Look at verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. This comes from this desire. Uh, the desire to control comes from this desire for three things, I think, that this verse points to. It says that the tree was good for food, meaning that there's some safety there. Well, as I shared with you last week, guys, what every woman wants is security. She wants to feel safe. She wants to feel that she's taken care of, that she's valued. So this, this first idea of safety comes in. Then it says... Uh, she, she saw that it was pleasing to the eye, meaning she was drawn to its appearance, and her own appearance uh, comes into play there as well. And so the, the, the idea that if, if, I, if I eat what is good, what looks good, I will look good myself. And the, the idea of the, of the need to, to be valued by way of their appearance comes in. Then, then the third 
thing comes uh, here in this fruit as she recognizes that it is desirable for gaining wisdom. Here's this third idea of knowledge, the need to know again. So safety, appearance, and knowledge. Now, hear me say this. Control is not evil on its face. It only becomes evil when we turn it into, into manipulation. When we, we manipulate others to control the situation and to con control the circumstance, that's when it turns to be evil. Uh, there's all kinds of situations in life that call for some element of control. Otherwise, life would kind of spin off its axis pretty quick. God's in control of the earth. He's in control of your life and mine, what happens to us. And so our dependence on him for his control is far better than our seizing that for ourselves. So ladies, if you can understand by way of scripture, your greatest vulnerabilities and temptations are this need to know that you have and the need to control. When I recognize that, I, I can see the enemy coming. So why the stress? Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, if, if that's true, then why is this stress in place for us? First Peter chapter 2, verse 7 says this, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you to the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. This idea of living with a weaker partner, if you'll think, ladies, not in terms of of, of vulnerability or, or, or emotional weakness or even physical weakness for that matter. If you'll think in terms of this idea, in fact, this word weaker means fragile. It means, if you'll think in terms of, of fine china, when you see that phrase, you, you, you'll get a more accurate translation of what he's trying to say. And he, this is to husbands, to say, husbands, treat your wives as a piece of fine china. Don't cram full in her life the things that will break her. Don't put on her the things that will break her and make her fracture. Treat her as, as, as a piece of fine china and understand what you're living with. Um, why? Because we are stressed if too much is put, put in our plate. If I got a cup of fine china and there's nothing in it and I keep cramming and cramming and cramming and cramming things in it, it's, it's eventually going to crack and break. I need to recognize that as a husband and recognize the stress that that, that brings on that piece of china as it's crammed full of stuff that it was never intended to do or have. We looked at your role, men, last week to lead and to love and to initiate those things in, in your life and in your world and in your home. When you put those responsibilities on your, on your wife, she'll many times take them because they need to be done, but she's going to crack under the pressure eventually when that's your role and your responsibility uh, to, to not stress her in that way. Stress occurs when we're seeking to have our greatest needs met outside of God's blueprint. And we looked in week, week number one of God's blueprint for marriage that it, it is a covenant, not a contract, not an agreement, but a holy covenant between a man and woman. Women's greatest need is to be valued because they have a need for approval. You don't believe me? Walk up on, on a crowd of two or three ladies having a conversation with each other, and, and another lady walks into that conversation. All three of those ladies are going to go, every time. Most every woman I've ever seen. And ladies, it's, it, that's not evil on its face. Don't, don't hear that. But I've never seen a women, women in conversation with each other that don't size each other up. And look at, look at that, that package and, and wonder, is, is that package as attractive or more so than my package is? Why? Because we need approval as women. Or you need approval as women. As a woman, I don't. Hopefully. Uh, Although sometimes, 
Never. But, but you need to be valued. And, and, and that's why we talked about this last week. Men's greatest need is to be respected. That's why uh, things of significance matter to them. They need your respect. And, and, and you don't believe that? Well, by a conversation of guys that's going on, and you'll hear one-up story after one-up story. They'll tell, tell, tell a story, and oh, listen to this one. And, and that one is bigger than the one we just told. Well, listen to this. You ain't going to believe this. And that one, the next one's told bigger than the first one's told. Why? Because they need to have significance. They need, they're, they're valued by their, their experiences and things that they've done. Second thing I want to see is not, not, not only, ladies, your vulnerability, but your greatest and godliest role. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5. This has been the, 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 the crux of our uh, text together during this series and will be for the next couple of weeks as well. But Ephesians chapter 5 wants to look together, if you will, at verses 21 to 24. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Three things I want us to, to see today about submission. Many women see this word submission and think dictatorial control. And it couldn't be further from the truth. This idea of submission is, as, as I described in week one, it's a mutual dance that husband and wife go through, that, w- that w- women and men go through, to where the man takes the first step initiates those kinds of things and the woman follows and fulfills that dance becomes a part of that dance herself submission though is should be seen first of all as a spiritual pursuit it's a spiritual pursuit look at verse 21 again together submit one to one another out of reverence for christ not out of respect for your husband necessarily not out of out of because the aspect that he deserves it or is due it or is owed it but out of reverence for christ meaning that i submit to him because it honors God when I do. Not because he's worthy today or he's smarter than me or better than me, but because my, my, my desire is to honor the Lord out of reverence for Christ. It's not about your relationship to your husband, but rather your relationship to Christ. As you follow and fulfill, we talked about that last week as well, in, in your role, as you follow and fulfill his will, his design, his plan for your marriage, you become a greater help to your husband and give greater glory to God. As I said a moment ago, in doing that, you meet his greatest need, and his greatest need is for your respect. So as you submit and follow his leadership, you give him that respect. Uh, submission is a, is a spiritual pursuit. Second thing I want to see about submission is submission creates a vacuum. If you can handle it all on your own, ladies, he's not needed. If you can let some things go and create a vacuum, uh, he'll... In essence, if there's nothing for him to, need, to be needed for, he'll see that I'm not respected and consequently uh, give up or won't step up. When you create a vacuum, you make, it, make him aware of it, he'll usually step up. Now, let me encourage you in how you phrase things to your husband in a couple of ways. As opposed to, I won't, uh, I, w- I would encourage you to say, I can't, or I'm not as good at this as you are. How about, how about you taking control of this and, and taking this and, and r- running with it? And, and as I say that, I'm sure some of you say, you don't know my husband. No, I don't know him as well as you know him. Uh, but I encourage you to try that and see if creating a vacuum would, would encourage him and allow him, <clears throat> excuse me, to step in and fill that void 
that's, that's in your home. Most guys, when there is, when there is crisis, want to step in and want to... Want. 9-11 is a great example of that. Uh, men stepping up all over, not only New York City, but all over the United States and really all over the world to say, no more and not here. And so if there is a vacuum created in your home, ladies, I, I, would, I would submit to you that over time, over time, he'll step into that vacuum if you vacate it and create an opportunity for him to do so. Do so. But if you're, if you're struggling with control of letting go, you'll never see that happen. Consequently, he'll never become the man God's intended for him to be as well. Submission is a spiritual pursuit. Submission should create a vacuum. But thirdly, as it pertains to women's godliest role, submission is the vehicle to change. Turn, turn back to 1 Peter, if you will, verse 3. Uh, chapter 3, well, rather. It's, it's the vehicle to change. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 says this. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair, wearing gold jewelry, and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. It says that submission is the vehicle to change. The key to bring about positive change in your, in, in your marriage is submission. Uh, nagging seldom works. Uh, your husband may do it just to quieten you down, but would you rather him do it to silence you or because he has love for you? Would you rather him step up because of his affection for you and his wanting to help and be, be the kind of man God's called him to be or just to keep you quiet? and to keep peace around. And so, I've asked women that question before, and some would say, I just want to get the job done, whatever it takes. And I hear that. But creating a vacuum allows him to step in, and, and, and your submission, as I said, is also a vehicle, a vehicle for change. I, I poured a lot at you today from two or three passages of Scripture. But ladies, I don't want you, I don't want you to leave unless you digest what we just read in First Peter chapter 3 especially verse 3 and 4. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair, wearing gold jewelry, or fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. What I want you to hear today as you leave, ladies, is this. Your beauty, your value, your approval is not on the outside. It's just not. Our culture wants you to think that. That's why every magazine rack you, you, you pass, there's a beautiful woman on the cover of every woman's magazine. They want you to think that. They want you to think you're supposed to be beauty, beautiful. You're supposed to weigh 97 pounds your whole life. You're supposed to have 2.5 kids, the perfect job, the perfect home, the perfect uh, adornment. That's just not God's design, ladies. And if you see that, if that's, if that's what you, the way you're seeing and the way you're thinking, you're totally misreading where beauty, real beauty is, is applied, where, where your value really is. Uh, if that's what you're thinking, I want to encourage you to stop listening to the serpent. He's still in the garden saying, this tree will make you beautiful. This tree will make you smart. This tree will give you all the things you, you've ever dreamed of having. It'll, it'll give you the control and the power and the knowledge that you've dreamed of. Stop listening to the serpent. Your beauty doesn't come from that. It doesn't come from Revlon. 
Your beauty comes from the revelation that God has given you a, a beautiful gift to be used, called you, whether it's kids, whether it's vocation, whether it's being a wife, whether you're a widow, whether we're, you're, you're divorced, that he's given you a call and a purpose. And finding that call and purpose is, is of paramount importance. Your beauty doesn't come from a product. It doesn't come from Clinique. It comes from the countenance of a woman who understands who she is in Christ, who understands her daughtership, her daughterhood in Christ, and that she is valued because of that, regardless of what she looks like, where she goes, what she says, what she does, where she works, who she's married to, what she owns, how she looks. She's valued because he gives her value. Your beauty, value, and approval is not on the inside. It's on the inside, not on the outside. So on the inside, it's, it, it has to do with this unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. I don't know, ladies, if that describes you. I remember several years ago watching the, the uh, televised broadcast of Ruth Graham's funeral service at Montreat. And she was a beautiful lady. If you look at younger pictures, well, as she aged, she never, never stopped being a beautiful lady, in my opinion. Had a beautiful countenance, was beautiful to look at. But every person that came up and spoke at her funeral talked about her, her spirit, talked about her heart, talked about the gifts that she had, talked about how much she gave herself away and poured herself into the lives of other folks, meaning her beauty was on the inside, and everybody in that room knew it probably before they even walked into the room, but certainly left that funeral that day knowing that her beauty was on what God had called her to do and her stepping in into the middle of that call the best way she could and ladies, whether your call is, is to, to be a godly wife, a godly mom, uh, uh, a, a consistent witness at work to, to folks around you, something in your neighborhood or at your, in your PTA meeting or at your kid's school where you have an exa examples and opportunities to share and live and walk out a, a deeply devoted walk with Christ. Whatever your call is, whatever it looks like, I want to encourage you to step into that. And, and start to worry less about what you know or don't know. Start to worry less about what you can, can uh, control or can't control. Worry less about whether your husband is worthy of submission or not and submit to Christ as you submit to him. If you'll start to see through that lens, I'm going to tell you, you're going to start to live a life of greater fulfillment, a life of greater purpose, a life of, that's according to God's design, and a life that continues to feed you and fill you up day after day. I talked last week to guys, or week, I'm sorry, in week one about the five love languages. And you're, you're going to be one of those five like, in all likelihood, ladies. But your deepest love language comes from your Savior, Jesus Christ, knowing that you are deeply loved by him. Don't ever forget that. Let's pray. Father, whatever, whatever concept of womanhood we walked in here today with, whether it was based on our mom or another influential lady or teacher or perhaps in our life, whatever, whatever our concept of womanhood that we walked in here with that doesn't look like the things we just read and examined from your word. Would you help us to rethink and relearn and reconceptualize what you describe a woman to be? The beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, of a spirit and a heart that seeks you and desires to walk with you above all else. Those, those kinds of characteristics and traits can't be found in a bottle of makeup can't be found in a home, can't be found in what's hanging in our closet. Those kinds of traits are found in a gentle and quiet spirit of knowing that we are deeply loved by God. 
that he has called us and equipped us as well to walk out the things that he's given us to do in our home, wherever we work, in relationships with friends that we have. And I pray that you would shower your love and your affection and make every woman in this room feel valued and deeply loved by you, because they are. Help them to see that their role is of a paramount importance in the home and outside, whether married, single, widowed, divorced, whether at work, whether at home, whether at the PTA meeting into the ball field, whether at the bank, wherever it, wherever it is, you give them an opportunity to walk out the fact that they are deeply loved and valued by you. Help them to see the value in walking out your word, living their lives according to Scripture, walking out marriages that seek to bring glory to you in their relationships, seeing themselves just as you see the bride of Christ. Walk in the truth of that, and there, there are some godly women, not only in this room, but all over this place. Stir those in the hearts of ladies here today and in the hearts of us men who come alongside them to love on them as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.